0: This podcast is brought to you by Touch a Life.
1: You're listening to Tau Radio, the information and entertainment arm of the Touch a Life Foundation. On Tal Radio, the Touch a Life Foundation shares stories of kindness and information on how we can connect those persons around the world who might be in need of assistance with those parties who are generous enough to offer it. And today on the Robert Hicks show, we have Linda Tannenbaum, the founder and CEO president of the Open Medicine Foundation. Thanks for coming on to TAL Radio, Linda. Thank you for inviting me. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. And um, so, as I mentioned earlier about TAL Radio is all about um, connecting organizations that uh, are willing to be charitably giving and organizations that can use their help. Um, so we wanted to connect with the Open Medicine Foundation to learn a bit about you, Linda, but also learn about your organization and, you know, how uh, our listeners and charitable persons can can be of some assistance to help you in your mission. But um, tell us a little bit, if you would, Linda, about your background and how long you've been with the Open Medicine Foundation, please.
0: Well, thank you. Um, my background is in laboratory medicine. I uh, am a clinical laboratory scientist and ran a medical laboratory for over twenty years, and uh, and I have I started Open Medicine Foundation uh, over ten years ago. So I've been with it since its beginning <laughs> and before its beginning, um, and uh, uh, so we started it in twenty twelve. So it's been over now. Now this is our eleventh year.
1: Exciting. So you, uh, as you mentioned, you founded the Open Medicine Foundation, and tell us a little bit about the story, I was seeing this on your website, a bit about the story that caused the creation of uh, the Open Medicine Foundation, because that's something very personal to you, right?
0: Yes, it is, actually. I mean, I was a desperate parent with a sick daughter, and uh, I decided to start it uh, with initial focus of ME-CFS, which is myalgic encephalomyelitis, or chronic fatigue syndrome as a lot of people know it and uh, our daughter when she was 16 uh, became very sick suddenly and uh, we didn't know what it was and the doctors didn't know how to diagnose it or treat it and she quit school and she was out of high school 11th and 12th grade in bed and And in researching it, because of my background in laboratory medicine, I realized and was able to research that nobody was coming up with a a treatment or diagnosis because there wasn't any money for research and the government wasn't researching it. So somebody had to do something. So uh, I I love your, your invitation to me, which is basically sympathy to empathy. And basically, we found out that there were over 20 million people in the world that had something like this chronic fatigue syndrome. And I realized that something needed to be done in a bigger way. So I started this foundation uh, to be able to figure out how we can treat this. How do we diagnose? this? What is this? Uh, because we went to over 20 different doctors, and no, no doctors knew what to do with this disease. And here, my daughter was in bed, and and uh, and wanted to get her life back, and and there was no path to do so. So, uh, so I found this, uh, founded this foundation to bring together researchers to fast track research. And uh, so we have uh, set this up uh, 10 years ago and grew it over 10 years. And, uh, and now we have a whole uh, setup of uh, researchers that are researching this disease. And sadly, uh, long COVID, which makes this more relevant right now, uh, probably 50% of people who are still sick after having COVID have this same disease or symptoms very similar to this disease. So now it's even more relevant because there's many, many more millions of people who are not, not able to work, not able to go to school. It hits kids as well as adults and they're in bed and the doctors don't know what to do with them. And it's the same, very, very similar or same disease. And so we are really looking for answers here to find treatments and a cure, of course, and uh,
1: how to diagnose this
0: and really help people all over the world.
1: So um, so you started in 2012 and you basically registered the Open Medicine Foundation as a California 501c3 a nonprofit to accelerate research for, um, as you mentioned, you started out with MECFS, but now it's um, even spread to working with other uh, long-term diseases, right?
0: Yes, many uh, post-infection diseases, uh, very common where people have an infection and don't get well and it becomes chronic or other reasons for chronic complex diseases, which we call it. Multi-system chronic complex diseases is what we call it.
1: How did that play out, if I may ask, um, for your daughter? Did, did this help you out a great deal in dealing with your own personal situation? Well, uh,
0: thank you for asking. Uh, not, not the foundation itself. Um, but our daughter is; uh, uh, she has improved enough that I'm able to do this, and so she's she's doing better. She needs a cure, uh, but she's doing better. So I I'm not her caregiver anymore, and she's she's doing uh, okay. Um, but uh, as we found out, most people are not as lucky as she is. Uh, that most people are still in bed, and and maybe five percent get well like her. She was just one of the lucky ones that was able to improve and. Uh, Ah, uh, which allowed me to do to do this, um, uh, but it really made it clear when we started meeting many, many more patients that, you know, somebody still has to do something because there's no answers for most of them.
1: A lot of people dealing similarly to what you were, with what you were back ten years ago, right?
0: Well, in the United States, numbers estimated at least two and a half million people, and worldwide over 20 million, and now wow. with long COVID, way over. They they recommend that they they estimate 60, 65 million over in the world, uh, people suffering with these kind of diseases, these complex diseases.
1: So um, when you talk about these complex diseases, you mentioned I'm going to call it MECFS. Yes, because I can't say it as well as you. <laughs> that's what we call it. <laughs> but some but some other uh, chronic diseases that you're working uh, in support of. One is fibromyalgia, right? Yes. Yes, and another and then, uh, Lyme disease. Yeah, Lyme disease syndrome, and also long COVID, as you mentioned, right? Can you talk a little bit about what these individual diseases are, like fibromyalgia, for example?
0: Well, uh, fibromyalgia, uh, 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 unfortunately, is a, is a very common, maybe over five million in the U.S., and and obviously many more around the world have this disease, with which really is, uh, you know, constant pain, and and, and uh, so many people have uh, extreme fatigue, and and are 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 really unable to do what they used to do before they got these diseases. And these are really multi-system diseases, so it causes a lot of problems, a lot of extreme fatigue, cognitive dysfunction. People refer to it as brain fog, widespread pain all over, really disabling type symptoms that. Uh, prevent you from doing from working, going to school and and prevent you from doing what you used to do. And um, so these diseases are very common in in how they manifest themselves. Um, and so what we're hoping is we've been focusing on CFS and hoping that what we learn and what we what uh, uh, all of the science and the research that we're doing really helps all of these diseases because the it manifests very similar symptoms to this, you know debilitating fatigue you're in bed it's hard to get up it's hard to do things there's a hallmark of the uh, ME-CFS called post-exertional malaise um, that is something that uh, with any type of exertion whether it's physical or even mental or emotional um, can exasperate all of these symptoms in a way that it might not happen this moment but if you brush your teeth or take a shower right now Uh, in hours from now or tomorrow or within 48 hours you could be bedridden just from doing that and it's called post-exertional malaise uh, which is something that's horrible and debilitating that keeps many people at home.
1: So if I was following you correctly are you saying that the symptomology is pretty common among the various like the NECFS fibromyalgia the post-treatment Lyme disease syndrome and the long COVID similar symptoms Across all of them, is that true? Yes, very sim. They
0: they cross over very similar symptoms. Uh, when you know when they write down symptoms and estimate symptoms, there's probably over sixty or so different symptoms people have. Sadly, but there's some core symptoms that really cross over. That if we could really uh, help those symptoms, uh, we really could help a lot of people uh, with these different uh, but related symptoms uh, and diseases.
1: What is meant by the term long COVID?
0: Uh, good question. Uh, there's different definitions all around, but uh, for people who have uh, had a COVID infection um, and, and, and the government, I believe, calls it anything over four weeks of still sick. Um, but uh, in the research world, what we're seeing is people who've had even um, uh, asymptomatic or mild COVID in a month or two afterwards start having these symptoms uh, crop up and they don't know why yet. Uh, of these symptoms with extreme fatigue and with cognitive dysfunction, brain fog is a big problem. They have this uh, other, other types of, of dizziness and people uh, don't feel as well when they're standing up versus when they're lying down, they call it POTS. Um, but um, there's these symptoms that are very similar that kick in uh, after four weeks of, of, of being okay. You, you think that you have uh, recovered from COVID and suddenly a month or two afterwards, something kicks in and, and you don't know what it is. And it's basically a post infection syndrome that kicks in and it's being referred to as long COVID. There's other names that they're giving it uh, started off with be calling like long haulers, meaning I'm still sick. Why am I still sick? But then they found out the people that you know didn't even have symptoms suddenly start having these major symptoms that are uh, keeping them home and debilitating. So they're calling it long COVID. There's other problems, cardiovascular problems pulmonary problems, neurological problems, and then these kind of problems with extreme fatigue and cognitive dysfunction. So there's different reasons that the body is is reacting this way. Um, and the estimate is possibly 50% of those people that are sick might have the symptoms that are similar to
1: ME-CFS. Yeah, and I think on the uh, subject of long COVID, I think I've had it, I think I've experienced exactly what you're describing because I've had um, COVID symptoms on three different occasions um, where it it affected me but um, one of the times um, I did feel that brain fog and it just was persisting and you just feel like you just um, it just went on and on and on it just you know you feel like I don't feel like I'm sick but I feel less capacitated than I did before like I just feel you know it somewhat foggy compared to what I'm used to feeling and so I I I mean not like right now so much but for a long while I did seem like, like I like I felt that so I know kind of exactly what you're talking about
0: you know unless you've really experienced it you really don't understand how serious it is and how it prevents you from doing your normal activities right or your work activities you don't notice that and and uh, so I- exactly what you're talking about. In fact, we're doing a clinical trial. We're going to be starting a clinical trial uh, very soon with ME-CFS patients. Again, uh, similar to long COVID uh, to try to reduce that neurocognitive issues, you know, and, and this brain fog, because it's a major problem
1: across all these multisystem chronic diseases. So when we look at um, the Open Medicine Foundation today, Um, I I was reading on your website that uh, basically you are leading the largest worldwide nonprofit effort to diagnose, treat, and prevent the chronic complex diseases like the ones we've named, right? Yes. How many employees or members or however you would uh, characterize the people involved in what you do, how many persons are involved?
0: So, you know, we try to run very lean because we want the money to go to research. And so we, we work very hard with a wonderful staff. And uh, so we have uh, five actual employees and we work with mm-hmm. a, a, a couple independent contractors that work with us. And then we work with a number of volunteers uh, that, that help us uh, behind the scenes. Uh, as far as a team at, at specifically working with Open Medicine Foundation. But what we what we've set up here is we we actually have um, six collaborative research centers that we have set up and support at top universities. And so we have research centers. So we work with researchers that are part of our OMF scientific advisory board. We have a 19 member scientific advisory board. And of those, we have uh, uh, our directors of our collaborative research centers. Uh, and so we're at Harvard and we're at Stanford, we're at University of Montreal, uh, University of Uppsala in Sweden, and University of Melbourne. And we have these centers. And so we have directors of the centers that are, are part of our team. And they have researchers, of course, under them that work with them. And so there's there's many, many people that work with us. We really are in four countries on three continents uh, doing research and, uh, and working together. So we have a team uh, for the foundation, but it basically is a much larger group of people and scientists that work with us from their universities. And we fund what they're doing, uh, a lot of what they're doing, and we facilitate uh, open collaborative research with them.
1: I want to remind our uh, listeners uh, across the globe that you are listening to TAL Radio from the Touch a Life Foundation. Um, and TAL Radio and the foundation itself is all about giving back essentially and finding ways to find organizations that can use the help of generous people um, in missions like we're discussing here today with Linda Tannenbaum. Um, we do want to remind our listeners that if you go to the um, download the TAL Giving app, towel is TAL is T A L for Touch of Life, but it, there's an app uh, called TAL giving. Um, it's a platform to help organizations like the open medicine foundation and so many others. So we want to encourage our listeners to go to the Apple app store, or you can go to the uh, Google play store to download that app. And whether you are, uh, a generous person or a person that, um, can use help from others. Uh, we want to encourage you. Maybe you're both of those, but, uh, Certainly, we want to encourage you to register on the Calgiving app. I'm Robert Hicks, and this is The Robert Hicks Show. And um, Basically, uh, Linda, do you have a particular scope or geographic limitation to your organization? I know you're, you've got global points, but um, is there any way that uh, you define any limitation to the work that you do?
0: Yeah, I appreciate that uh, question. Uh, no, actually, we are in way over, we are, people follow us basically from uh, way over a hundred countries. And uh, and so, so what we try uh, to do is engage the world at large, really. Unfortunately, this these diseases, uh, you know, have no boundaries. And so, uh, so we raise money from all over the world and we do research, as you see, from our collaborative centers that are in, uh, you know, four different countries. And, uh, and then we encourage uh, participation in those uh, from all over the world. In fact, we're just literally setting up a participant registry so that people all over the world could sign up as a participant to answer surveys, help with research, be involved with research from their home or research in, in projects that are in, in their locality. And so we are, we are encouraging uh, people global to uh, to follow us, just to have hope to know that somebody's working on this. Uh, because a lot of people just, you know, what, what you're doing, which is wonderful, what you're doing here is, uh, you know, sharing what people are, are, how people are helping people, basically. And uh, and we're at the point that we we really want to share hope that and let people know that are sick that there are people working on this. And now that there's so many more people that are sick with long COVID, we want people to understand and know that there are many researchers working on this and we're trying to pull it all together, if possible, um, to speed it up and accelerate it. We we appreciate it. You know, we've raised over 40 million dollars in 10 years and it's all from private giving. And And uh, all the private uh, giving is coming from people who are sick or know people who are sick and they have loved ones who are sick. And uh, we're trying to fund as much research as possible to accelerate this. and We've been able to do more than fifty different projects, research projects that are bringing answers that we hope will help the millions of people out there that are
1: suffering here. I want to talk a little bit um, now. You're based in California, right? The yes, and the OMF is based in, in the Los Angeles suburbs. Yeah. Um, although
0: all of our people oh. work remotely, so we have people, you know, all over that are working with us.
1: Yeah, like everyone else, we're yeah. all able yes. to work from various locations. Thank goodness. But um, so yes. I want to mention to our listeners, there's a number of places where the Open Medicine Foundation can be found. Um, and uh, the, if you want to go to the website, it's www.omf, like Open Medicine openmedicinefoundation.ngo. But there are also um, websites for specifically for Canada, as well as one for Australia. So uh, the one is OMF canada.ngo and one is omfaustralia.ngo. did i get that right yes thank you
0: yes we've set that up so that if people live in those areas they can give and get a tax deduction <laughs> as well as in the united states so we set up we set specifically up them up as charities also so that if if people are giving uh they can give in uh, uh and get a tax deduction otherwise they're 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 the same information uh on the websites
1: um, so let's talk about specifically what can our listeners do with and for the Open Medicine Foundation? What are some of the ways that they can that they we can help out? No, I, I appreciate your asking. So, of course, we're always
0: looking for people who know people who would like to help us fund these large research projects. and uh, any any donations uh, help us. Uh, keep going and and build up and and uh, and increase the research that we're doing. We're trying to do some major clinical trials. And obviously, you know, those cost millions, um, but but uh, anything helps. And so we uh, ask our listeners, uh, if possible, if they know of anybody to connect us to that might be interested to help us accelerate this and donate would be wonderful. Uh, You know, obviously we get we're 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 looking for cryptocurrency for stocks, any type of uh, uh, cash donations, all of the above, we, could, we can accept all types of donations and give tax donations in the US and Canada and Australia as well. But all around the world, we accept donations from everywhere, of course. And, uh, and we have some paths uh, uh, in Europe as well. So, so we are looking for that. And then we're looking for people just to share what we're doing, to share the hope. And uh, if they know somebody who's sick, please tell them that uh, people are, are very serious and validate that they're sick. These diseases have a problem of, of doctors uh, not validating that people are sick and they think that if they, you know, stay home and rest or, or take antidepressants or something like that, they'll get better. And that is not what this is. Uh, so we, we want to validate that people are sick and understand it and know that we are really trying to work on this. And then when we launch our registry, which will be in a couple weeks from now, um, if you come back to us and you can sign up for the registry, if you are sick and you would like to help, uh, the more people that sign up for the registry, it's a simple few minute sign up. It's really just saying, do you want to uh, answer surveys? Do you want to answer questions? Do you want to give us information uh, uh, or researchers information, not us, but researchers who are doing projects to help accelerate this research because it's going to take the world at large to figure all this out. So uh, talk about it, tell people about it and, uh, and, and share your stories and share us. If possible, however you can, get the word out about the disease and get the word out about Open Medicine Foundation. That would really help.
1: Yeah. And one of the things I want to encourage our listeners to go to your website, um, you will be surprised at the many ways, as Linda mentioned, that you can be a contributor to uh, the mission of the Open Medicine Foundation. Um, They'll take uh, donations online. You can... Do a check. You can do it over the phone. Uh, Linda mentioned stock transfers can be done, a Bitcoin, other cryptocurrencies, wire transfers. Um, they've even got um, a program where you can give in honor of someone or in memory of someone that has passed. Um, they. I also was reading where you can uh, look into your employer and see how they support charitable giving because. A lot of times uh employers will offer things like employee employer matching gifts right exactly where they'll also add to what the individuals are contributing exactly
0: no i appreciate you mentioning all that uh yes we do get a lot of employer matches which is wonderful and we have uh, another platform on our website if you're interested If you want to do your own fundraisers, it's called CrowdChange. You sign up; it's very simple, and then you can email your friends and family and tell your story, and then it has a a way that they can click and donate. And so it makes it very simple if you'd like to do that. And and uh, and then people go on Facebook if they have a birthday or something, and they randomly go on 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 Facebook so they can just say, you know, for my birthday, if you want to donate, you know, five ten dollars to this. I'm sick and I, uh, they need, we need help and we want to accelerate this. I I appreciate that. And, uh, and I wanted to mention just, just, just one thing if I can, uh, as far as helping people who are sick on our website, we have uh, medical education and resources, resources for patients and, and resources to be able to bring to your doctor. If you are sick resources that if you're a parent of somebody who is sick, Uh, resources for doctors uh, to become more educated about what this is, ways to helping, ways to diagnose and notice and validate these symptoms and some treatment ideas. Um, So this information is very helpful if you are sick and you need to bring information to your doctor or you are a doctor and you'd like more information.
1: And don't assume assume that your doctor is well-versed in these things. Most um, are not, actually. Yes. <laughs> so we yeah, help, yeah.
0: we're it's, helping to educate
1: <laughs> also. It's wanna, surprising. Wanna... And, what you, and what you mentioned about the fundraising, um, I saw on the website where there's actually a digital fundraising toolkit that you make available that has things like um, easy-to-use guides for launching fundraisers or Facebook or CrowdChange or even an in-person event. Um, that's interesting to know. You can donate if you've ever heard of um when you're shopping um you uh have a thing there's a thing called amazon smile um ebay does something similar i give is another one where you can uh uh, have whatever you are shopping for uh percentage goes to assist um the open medicine foundation donating your car you've heard of that before but it's another thing that uh, you may not immediately think of and also um, you can do what they call planned giving which is all about um something that is set up for taking your uh, legacy and your, your uh, generous giving even beyond the time that you're that you're with us you actually can uh, uh consider a, a, a charitable legacy to continue your philanthropy beyond uh your 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 full life so um like i say so many ways that people can help the open medicine foundation and um is there anything that people might, this is, this is kind of an unusual question, but anything that might surprise people the most about the work that you do? Anything that comes, that comes to mind there that you want to make us aware of?
0: Well, I, I think what, what's, what makes us unique, um, if anybody knows how research really works and how, how diseases really are uh, uh, studied, um, we, are, we have broken the mold in, in changing the way that people do it. So most researchers uh, in the research world, they do their research and they publish and they have their expertise and they work uh, somewhat in silos, um, meaning that they work with a team and, and they do what they do and they write these publications and let people know what they do. Uh, Instead, what we do is we bring people together and those that we fund have to share their results openly while they're doing it and uh, way before publication. So we bring people together. We have meetings every month with our directors. They discuss their research. They discuss what they're seeing. um, And it really makes it much more efficient so that way people don't waste their time. They know what people are learning from each other. And it, it accelerates research and it's an open collaboration. And those words aren't usually synonymous with research. And so what we're trying to do is bring people together in a way so that it, it everybody has different expertise and they see things differently. They're looking at different things and they're doing their own research and their own projects, um, but they share it. And we have symposiums that we we uh, have that uh, then, then the researchers talk to each other in, in basically um, in private, so to speak, but there's 90 or so people together. Uh, but talking really, and with Zoom, it really helps uh, to do things digitally now. And, and so it, we, we can really bring people from all over the world, um, but sharing their results openly. And we work with other organizations uh, that also do research and and, and advocacy and try to work with the government to uh, fund larger projects in this space. And so we we are trying to do a lot, uh, but focus on medical research where so we can really bring people together openly and collaborating. And then we just launched this medical education uh, program uh, with the Bateman Horn Center, who's doing med- medical education to train more primary care physicians uh, as well. So, we're unique We're unique in this space. Um, we're the largest in this space, um, but we are unique in this space in trying to bring it all together to accelerate it to get people better, basically.
1: Um, Linda, there's one last thing I'd like to ask you as we uh, wrap up our conversation here. And um, again, we're talking to Linda Tannenbaum, the founder and CEO, president of the Open Medicine Foundation. Um, Question I want to ask you, let's go inside Linda's Hannenbaum. You've been at this quite a while. What has this done to you, done for you, I should say? You personally being involved in this, what have you kind of gotten out of it? um, uh, Just want you to share those feelings a little bit if you don't mind.
0: That's an interesting question. Um, I, I keep saying I'm going to write the book called Serendipity. Um, because I have met Uh wonderful people along the way and each step along the way has been a learning experience because I didn't anticipate being in the world I'm in with this foundation. (laughs) Um, It wasn't a career choice, it was a necessity at the time. Um, But I have met the most wonderful thing that has happened to me is meeting the people and uh, along the way, uh, both both people who are suffering with these diseases and researchers and people that have wanted to help, um, and, and, like yourself, and, and, and helping the cause uh, that affects so many people. And so I think the thing that I've, I've received the most from it is, is the feeling of goodness of people and, and how wonderful people are. Uh, that work together. And with the things that are going around in the world, uh, it is wonderful to, to be able to have people like yourself bring this to the front and talk about the good things that are happening in life. And, and the good things that are happening is people do wanna help each other and uh, as much as possible if they can. And so I have gotten a lot of reward uh, from doing this um, in knowing that um, we're, we're bringing people hope and we're saving lives by doing that because, unfortunately, you know, it's it's it's, it's a disease that is devastating to people, and so we we want to bring hope to those people. So knowing that, and people do thank us all the time. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful feeling um, that that's continuing to work on.
1: That's really, that's really neat. And there's a reason. There's a method to my madness when I ask a question like that. Number one, um, so many of us in our work lives you know, wonder, where's this going? What am I contributing? What, what, you know, some, you're, you're fortunate in that you, something that you have such a passion about, you are in it every day and you get to feel that way and all that. So, but not everybody has that in their life's work. Um, but one of the things too, is I want to invite our listeners um, what uh, Touch a Life Foundation is all about and the Tao Giving app um, is we want to encourage you to participate in that because the feelings that Linda was just describing are things that you too can feel as you're supporting their organization. And that's that's, that's why I ask, what do you get out of it in your heart, essentially? Because our listeners can get that too by being uh, contributors. Absolutely. So uh, Linda, I want to thank you very much for joining me today for the Robert Hicks Show. Um, we thank Linda Tannenbaum, the founder and CEO president of the Open Medicine Foundation. she um, was good enough to meet with us today to share the story of the Open Medicine Foundation. I'm Robert Hicks. We also want to thank you, our listeners, for spending uh, time with us today and most of all for your generous nature in following us at the Touch of Life Foundation and uh, TAL Radio. So stay with us on TAL Radio for additional uplifting stories as we continue to bring them to you. Have a good day, everyone.
0: You have just listened to Tall Radio Podcast. For more podcasts, visit www.touchalife.org.